peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to the Softly Performance Podcast. Welcome back to part two of Strength and Endurance Concurrent Training and the breakdown of understanding the aerobic base and strength base. Last show, we left off talking pretty much about multiple different things, and it got deep really quick is what Matt said. And, you know, we kind of broke down the aerobic base. We broke down the strength base. We broke down some of the key factors that help increase the production of ATP. And how do we speed that up? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, we end up finishing talking about looking at, you know, not just mitochondria as like the powerhouse cell of the system, but as well as like, how do we go ahead and utilize that to increase the speed of the of the Krebs cycle and production of ATP? And realistically, as simple as we can look at that is, it is literally the steps in which we produce ATP. That's literally all it is from fat, sugars, to how you want to look at it and, and how your body is working from that perspective. Again, we're not trying to get yeah. too deep into it, but understand that what does that mean? It just helps increase the speed of the production of ATP. Mm-hmm. So when we go ahead and talk about, you know, we left off talking about how do we go ahead and increase these things? How do we go ahead and make someone aerobic space and strength base increase? Well, it all comes down to understanding to train the heart because the heart is a muscle. And I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you've done a really good job of, of kind of um, when we've, when we've been working on developing the, the conscious warrior system and the seminar and stuff like that. Uh, I think you've done a really good job of making something that's, it, as you guys will know from listening, if you listened and made it all the way through the last episode, <laughs> you, you'll know that like a lot of the, a lot of the topics, a lot of the content get, get really kind of um, exercise physiology heavy, really fast. Um, but in, in terms of kind of giving, making it really applicable and really kind of like easy. Okay. I can see where that fits in. Like I can understand that. I think that's, that's what you've done an awesome job of. Well, and that's the idea behind it, man. Cause at the same time, there's so many individuals out there who are just super scientific and it's like, dude, half the people don't give a, f- like, excuse my language, but don't give a fuck about it. Like they don't even know how to interpret it. So how do we go ahead and take something as such and create a conversation where we have the same color cups across the board to where you have a better understanding of how to go ahead and make yourself healthy. So mm-hmm. the idea when we come down to like, again, how do we go ahead and increase longevity for ourselves? We have to train the heart, right? And it's funny is like we go back and look at um, like Savannah's grandmother, she's 92 years old and she walks one mile every day still at the age of 92. And that one mile isn't done in 20 minutes. It's like a 60 minute walk. But that just goes to show that the heart doesn't know distance. It only knows time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. And when I say it only knows time, it only understands stress, meaning that the higher, the, the higher elevated heart rates for longer durations of time, that does something to us. It, and, and again, if we understand that, hey, Training the heart, we have to look at training the heart the same exact way as we train endurance training, how we train strength training. But ultimately, if we can understand how to train the heart, what does it do? Oh, we're already training the aerobic base and we're already training the strength base. So the idea behind this and everyone's like, well, why are we focusing on the heart? Well, one, it's the fucking lifeline to us. It's it's what you know keeps us going. Obviously, we need a breath. It's pretty important. It's pretty important. But when we come back to looking at how do we increase the powerhouse cell, which is mitochondria, and how do we go ahead and increase capillary density and how do we go ahead and get the speed of the curb cycle to produce ATP faster, we must then train the heart at different 
at different stroke at stroke volumes and stroke rates to allow for it to understand how to go ahead and be flexible to increase the production of ATP. And the way we can go ahead and look at that is an idea of that, you know, the heart is a muscle and what happens is it pumps and delivers oxygen and blood to working muscles. We know that. That's that's simple terms from there. Well, what ends up happening is is that, that we need to go ahead and look at it from if I go ahead and keep my heart rate at a 130 beats per minute, right? What does that do for me over 30 minutes of work? And then what does a 160 beats per minute heart rate for 30 minutes of work do to me? Not from a muscular standpoint, but from a neurological standpoint. Mm, like, like kind of the cost, you correct? Mean, like the, the cost benefit. The cost benefit, yeah. right? I know that if I did a thirty-minute session at an average heart rate of one thirty, and we go back to the understanding the aerobic threshold, we look at fuel and we look at at, at the anaerobic threshold. But I'm now at a one sixty. I've now utilized more fat during my thirty-minute training session, which means I get a higher response of oxygen into my system, which only improves my ability to produce ATP at higher outputs. Now, that individual now just lost an ability to go ahead. And again, he's doing the same thing, training as I am. We have similar things coming up. But now he just lost the ability to go ahead and utilize oxygen because he was actually just utilizing ATP that whole time without actually producing it. Now, let's go ahead and say six weeks from now, we go and do the same test together. I barely hit a minimum of two high-intensity training sessions a week. He hit four. I increased my time by a minute and he increased his by 10 seconds. Why did he only increase by 10 seconds? Let's just say because neurologically he was able to handle the suffering of that workout at that heart rate long terms, longer periods of time. I was just able to not suffer as much, but my body was able to produce oxygen and move at a high efficient rate with higher power outputs longer than he was. So again, I'm not, again, that's where I'm saying it's like, okay, there's an example of building the aerobic base. Let's go ahead and look at building that strength base when we go ahead in terms of looking at developing the heart, right? I know that my heart rate below 148 is my aerobic threshold. I know that at, you know, at 115 or 100 to 130, like I'm in that zone one effort, however you want to look. I know from a physiological standpoint what it does for me, right? It increases how much blood is being put out to the system from the stroke volume, you know? Two, it strengthened the heart's chambers, right? To go ahead and have a, a stronger electrical fucking poof, push into the system. Sweet. We know by doing those two things, I have now just increased aerobic enzymes, mitochondria density, and what else? Capillary bed density. But we've also mm-hmm. taught the system how to do what? Utilize fat and sugar as fuel and not just be primarily sugar dominant. So I've taught the system to be metabolically flexible from an endurance standpoint. How do we do that from a strength perspective though? Well, similar ideas. Like I understand that you're going to have to do sets of three to five for six to eight reps for multiple at certain percentages or RPEs and stuff like that. But where we get to train the heart now is during that recovery period. Yeah. Right. Where we actually put the aerobic base, that energy system production to work during a strength session. And a lot of people don't realize that, hey, after I do some kind of back squat for five, for, let's go and do a back squat at 225 for six set or five, for five sets of six, right? I'm under load possibly, probably for 30 seconds, 
right? I know that it shot my heart rate up and it shot my CNS up through the roof. But if I want to maintain the speed, the position, the posture, and hitting that same weight across the board, I need to go ahead and have a really good recovery period between that. How do I elicit that recovery period? Do I sit down? Do I walk? Do I focus on breathing properly? Do I jump on the rower? Do I jump on the air bike? It all depends. It really does, right? What are you trying to elicit? Now, if you're a pure strength athlete and you just got done doing the day, or if you're a pure strength athlete and you're just using aerobic training to go ahead and manage recovery, help manage CNS tension and dominance in the system, to improve your heart, to go ahead and help you get stronger, then maybe sitting down or walking around would be actually really good for you because it helps focus on bringing your heart rate, maintaining a specific zone that allows for you to increase stark stroke volume, increase um, blood output, and, and strengthen the heart chambers. Because now what do we see from there? We now see our ability to recover to that strength numbers to where the next time I come back and do it, what can I do? Probably heavier weights. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like So it's that idea where, again, maybe I shouldn't go into the gym and just do a five by five for, you know, at an RPE of a five or a six or at 75, 80% and only rest 90 seconds. Maybe I should focus on resting two to two and a half minutes instead, because now I'm giving that aerobic base, the ability to be used in a time where I was in a high sugar demand because I was above my anaerobic threshold by squatting. But then what happens is I'm now spending less time in that, that, anaerobic threshold or above, and I get back into my fat utilization faster, which now promotes recovery, which increases blood cell production, which increases blood volume, which increases oxygen volume. Then the list can go on, right? So do I believe going back to the first show, like, hey, can we improve someone's 1RM with minimum effective dose? Sure, but I, I think that we're going to have to go ahead and find a very happy medium of endurance training that will not take away power from him. Because we know too much endurance training takes away what from an individual? Power. Yeah, yeah, particularly like speed. Speed, right? But we have to train that yeah. speed. So it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, no, we have to understand that when we train this heart, it needs to be a very smart manner. So that kind of brings us into the next conver- next portion of, 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 this, of this topic of, well, in a practical application, what does that look like? Mm. Yeah, and and this is this is something I I kind of was was chatting to George with real quick uh, before we sort of before we jumped on this one from from kind of his his somewhat unique perspective I guess of of being able to operate like at the highest level in the in the tactical world but also in the ultra world and in the Olympic weightlifting world I suppose CrossFit as well yeah. like they're they're kind of they're very different four very different beasts in terms of like what you would think of in terms of the the training and the prep required. And then also like the, the output or how you define success is probably a better way of doing it. Probably a better way of, of kind of considering it. Um, so I just wondered if you could kind of take us through from, from like firsthand experience. Well, I want to go ahead and break um, this down into, in two types of individuals, the, the, the novice athlete. And then we have, and I mean, maybe the less trained athlete and the fitter athlete. And the reason why I want to break this down first is because I want you guys to have some kind of context to when I go and talk about how I, I lay out certain training programs or, or templates for different types of athletes. It's going to vary because of the fact that we know that less trained athletes, there's enough evidence to show that our stroke volume increases and the heart increases and we have better adaptations at much lower intensities, right? That's what we know, right? So that means that, you know, 
having high intensity training sessions, having moderate training sessions will actually have less of an effect than actually focusing on lower intensity sessions. Because what we're doing is we're increasing that base, right? Because your system doesn't know how to utilize ATP as well as, as now we go and look at the fitter athlete who can go ahead and get away with higher intensities to have a higher training response. So that pretty much, right, to improve that stroke volume, we have to get that heart rate up to that aerobic threshold and sometimes in the, at that anaerobic threshold to see greater responses. So when we go ahead and take that from an, in an endurance space, let's go ahead and take it to the strength base because it's a similar idea. We know that if I focus on proper movement patterns and, and lighter loads for multiple sets and for you know moderate rep sets, moderate rep and sets, we know that over time that's gonna improve movement economy and variability. So then from that, okay, that's the less trained athlete. I know that if I have to do three sets of five or, and that's the reason why we see the starting strength program such a, and I know how boring it is, but we see why it works so well is because again, for that lower level athlete, it focuses on lower intensities for moderate weight, for moderate reps and moderate, and, and moderate sets with two minutes to three minute rest periods between that. What are we doing there? Just like linear loading, I guess. 100, it's it's, it's 100, of... but away from the linear loading and periodization, what are we doing from a physiological and biological standpoint for that person? Uh, I, I guess I'm providing like a low, like a low level. We're now teaching stimulus. them to be, so we're now teaching them how to utilize their metabolic system. Meaning when they're under load for five reps, they might be into at a higher glycogen usage. But then when we give them that lower, when we give them longer recovery periods, now they get into more of that fat oxidation period. How does that transfer over into their endurance work? Because remember, it's all about transferability, right? Mm -hmm. So everything I'm doing in the gym or everything I'm doing in the, in the endurance world has some transferability between the two, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you, you can't kind of see them as a vacuum. No, we've talked about that um, before. Okay. Yeah. Right. So then if I look at the more advanced athlete or the more fitter athlete, I know that he's going to need higher, he's going to need more sets and uh, I'm not saying more reps, but a little bit more sets at higher percentages, more in that 80, 85, 90% range compared to the less fit athlete who's going to be needing to hit anywhere between 65 to 75% for more sets and more reps as compared to that fitter one. They need a little less to have a response. Why? Because of the neurological load. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and sort of efficiency really, isn't it? Like we know that we know that like with with kind of people who are just getting started, like you you begin the games if you like. You can give them anything. You could give them like Zumba and if there's any like if there's any teams guys out there that are religiously doing Zumba three times a week, this isn't a this isn't a slag on you. But you could give you can give someone who's just starting out something like almost anything to do and and they'll get better. Um, because we we have that such a, a big window of of adaptation like there's there's so many things you can oh the whiteboard's being used now it's about it's getting real <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh yeah we we kind of know that like you can you can adapt to almost anything and that's where from a research perspective we have to be a little bit careful interpreting uh any any kind of clinical research or, or training research done on groups of untrained individuals because it doesn't really matter whether you give them a back squat or where you give them, whether you give them a leg press, if they're doing something, they're going to be getting better. Uh, and they're, they're going to be kind of improving. And I guess that's probably similar in the endurance world. Correct. A hundred percent. And that's kind of the idea behind this, man. Like when we go ahead and look at, you know, now the practical application is like, how do we lead 
this into increasing not just performance in endurance, but also performance in strength. Well, it all comes down to how you want to go ahead and lay out that that training block or the training week. Mm. And yeah, yeah. something that I've I have enjoyed doing, and I've been doing it for about the past year and a half now, a little bit more focused on it. Actually, no, about two years now, is whenever I'm like in a normal just training block and I'm only training for fun or whatever else, I'll have this flip-flop where I call it template A and template B. And template A will have three days of endurance work and two days of strength work with one recovery and one, re- re- I, call it, I call it like a full rest day and then one had, has a, a regeneration day where I focus okay. on you know, using, using certain types of training stimulus to help re- get the heart rate to, heart to recover because ultimately that's what it is. So then boom, and then I have a full rest day where it's like I don't touch nothing, I get away from it completely. And what I'll do is template A will be an endurance day, strength day, endurance day, strength day, endurance day pretty much. And everyone's like, well, you just trained five days in a row. Where's your rest day? Well, the cool thing about that and that template is that I know that I'm only going to be hitting strength twice. So I can kind of get after my endurance a little bit more, meaning that I can go ahead and have like, you know, my first endurance day might be a max aerobic function focus day, meaning that I'm focusing on increasing my aerobic function for longer durations of time. And then I know that, you know, I did an aerobic focus day here with my strength session now that day is going to be very power, speed, uh, absolute strength development, right? Where I'm, you know, focusing on strength and power development because I know that's what works from evidence, from research, literature, plus myself. I've seen that what works. And then the next day will end up usually being a, a low aerobic training session because now I've paired, you know, a moderate day with ultimately that strength session turns to become a high day just because of, of the, of the, of the nature of that session at the end of the day. And that's how yeah. I view it. So I need, yeah. I need a low day. So usually that low day is either going to be, you know, Hey, <laughs> low stress on the system, right? Very minimal, you know, con- uh, contact ground from running. So it might be a bike or a swim. And this is not one. That's your regen session. Was it, was that the pretty one much is how you can look at yeah. it as, yeah. And that's kind of the way okay. I look at that. It's like, all right, I'll go to this pool today. I'm going to do, you know, 45 minutes on the clock and I'm going to go ahead and go through some skill techniques up and I'm going to swim super easy and just let my body recover a little bit, but it had me move and flush me out and I'm good to go. And then all of a sudden now my next strength session, I focus on a lot of strongman, unilateral development work stuff. That's going to really focus on that that improvement from there. Still, I'm training the heart though. Why? Because I'm in the gym for yeah. 60 minutes consistently moving. I had an athlete in the gym that I trained out here of and they walked he walked up to me. He was like, man, he's like, you walk in the gym and you don't stop until you leave. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm not just training. I'm focusing on like it's it, when I come into strength train, I'm heart training. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what I'm doing. So yeah. that strength session will blend and it might have some kind of like strongman mixed modal conditioning piece on there somehow. But again, it's not super taxing. It's more from like learning how to move and just work, building work capacity, mm. but in a strength manner. Yeah. And, and we, we know like strongman's an awesome tool for improving that, that aerobic capacity because of like the isometric holds of carrying correct. things and lifting. Yeah. And the, like a huge kind of vascular challenge. Yeah. So then what I follow there is, and it depends on how my week is and how I feel, is I sometimes okay. might take that Friday and make it have an, an off day. Right. Right. Because I know that that second, that third endurance day is going to be a big endurance day. Okay. I know that. So would you then shunt it to the, the next day? Then? Correct. And I would move that over to like right, to, right, to, right. to that day. So where now I had endurance day, that was moderate day, max aerobic function work. I had a strength session day, which was 
pretty good, right? I had a good session, some stuff, and then I had a low session day for endurance work, and then I had a moderate endurance day or a moderate strength day on day four. So day one, max aerobic function. Day two, strength, focus on power, strength, development work. Day three is low aerobic endurance, low stress, so some kind of swim or bike. Day four now becomes a strength day focusing on unilateral strength development, structural strength development, um, strongman type stuff, and just kind of working that way, developing strength work capacity. And then depending on, you know, if I have the time, if I can, I'll usually take a day off on that Friday or I'll do my endurance session if I need to. But most times I'll rest because I know that I'm going to be putting a lot into that endurance day. Sometimes I might get out for a 90 minute to three hour run. Sometimes I might go out to the mountains for five hours and hike and do all those things. But that's still considered an endurance day. I'm still training the heart. And then most of the time, if I'm not in a big training block that Sunday or, you know, that day six, um, you know, or day seven, I'm sorry, becomes a rest day completely. Okay. Right. And that's template A. But then what I do, though, is now the following week, the next week, I switch over to a template B. And that template B now is three strength days, two endurance days. Okay. So just kind of like reversing. Reversing it. Yeah. Yeah. So now I get to have two strength days where I can focus on realistically. I know that strength and power help elect greater response in my endurance. So now I can go ahead on that day one of that template B. I can hit some strength work that is one, I'm coming off a rest day. I don't want to be super crazy with it. But, you know, I focus on just kind of moving, getting to the gym. I do some bodybuilding with that power and strength day, some unilateral stuff. And really just kind of get the system ready for the week. So again, I use that first strength day to prime the CNS, prime the system, get the heart ready for the week. What's cool about that endurance day the next day is since I had a moderate strength day pretty much in terms of CNS because I'm only waking the system up, I can have a high endurance day. Okay. So this is day two effectively of week correct, two. Correct, correct. Cool. Yeah. So I can have a high endurance day. So there I can focus now on some kind of anaerobic development, speed work, those kinds of things. Okay. Can you give like an example, not necessarily a whole session, but no, like an example so, kind of set or focus? Well, or? For example, you know, one thing I really love doing whenever I get into like some of those speed days, just because I hate fucking speed work. It hurts bad. I'm just one of those guys where I like, I like to get it done and just get it done with. But some of my go-tos have been depending on what I'm training for. So if I'm training for like a 50K, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give this to you guys, but I've done a speed session day where I've done six sets of one mile sprints with resting three minutes. And I have to increase those speeds or those times every round. That sounds disgusting. Correct. But I start at a very low aerobic pace. And by the time I know it, I'm in a very anaerobic threshold as I get to that back end. Mm, okay. Does that make Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And is that something like, again, this, I, I don't kind of come from this background at all. Is that is that something you would do on a track or on the road or on the trail? Or is it kind of dependent on where you are in the year? It depends on where I am in the year. So okay. as I get closer to an event, if I'm doing something like that or if I'm doing something similar, I'll be on a trail because I have to mimic the race that I'm going to be yeah, on. Sure. But if it's further out, I'll jump to a track and just run circles around that in opposite ways and do those kinds of yeah. things. Just because it kind of gives that environment okay. of speed. Like you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that day two then is really, is gnarly. really gnarly is most way. of the time. Yeah. And depending yeah. on, again, like right now I'm not training for nothing long. Like I know I've talked about doing some longer distance work, but realistically I don't need to touch really high outputs of 
of speed work. So I will then probably move that down to maybe doing 10 to 15 to 20 sets of 30 second sprints with a one minute power walk. Right. But those sprints are super hard back into it. Or even if we want to go distance 200 meter, like a hundred meter sprint walk 200 meters and repeat that. Or even to the point where it's like 30, thirties, 15, 15, those kinds of things. But I'm also throwing in aerobic work in there. So for example, you know, a day of that session would look like, Hey, warm up with a one mile run into 10 sets of 30 seconds on 30 seconds off hard sprint recovery jog. And then now you have a one mile run at math heart rate into 10 sets of 30 seconds on 30 seconds off. Now you've done a total of 20 sets of 30 seconds on 30 seconds off with a one mile run at a max aerobic function heart rate. Plus you've done a mile run in the beginning and a, a 10 minute walk cool down the back end. So now I just paired in training the heart from an aerobic standpoint as well as training the anaerobic system. So I'm teaching the system to be that much more flexible when it comes to transitioning between aerobic and anaerobic power output. Yeah, yeah, okay. So the the, the mile in the middle, is that for like... Is that kind of active recovery correct, or is that correct. more so you can kind of learn the feet? Okay, correct. Okay. It, but it also comes down to like, oh, well, what do I need to do to get my heart rate below that maximum function heart rate after I just did these things? You know, after I just pushed. Yeah. Because what happens with those 30-30s if you find your heart rate start climbing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be written off after four, I think. Yeah. So then my strength day is actually it's actually unique here because sometimes what I'll do is I might just throw a rest day on that Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, I can say this is Wednesday now, day three. Yeah, and, yeah. and if you okay. notice from template A, that w- that third day was a low day because I had a medium heavy uh, high yeah. day. So that strength day actually now becomes focused on how do I go ahead and improve durability for my running and my lifting. So okay. now we start looking at me doing more movement flow work, me messing around with like doing unconventional strength movements from kettlebell windmills, slam bag get-ups, a lot of those things that are very low I consider low uh, stress on my system because I'm not going super heavy, but it allows for me to get yeah. in the gym and move. And like I'll blend that in with some kind of like row or easy, you know, sled drag or pull or a light, nice little jog or jump on the rower or, and and blend things in that way to just promote recovery. Because I know if I can keep my heart rate below 130 for a duration of time, it's going to help promote recovery for me. I've seen that work. Mm-hmm. There's literature behind it. And it's a really powerful thing they can do for you. Again, we're just building the mitochondria powerhouse. That's all we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And and is that like when you when you say about kind of monitoring, seeing how you're feeling as to whether you train or not, is that like do you go off how you feel or do you go off like HRV or kind of just training density? Like when you've looked at how it, much training it you've It depends, got, right? So like kind of- it depends. So for example, like my last five week training block going into the recon challenge, I had a, a I had a template A setup. Okay. I had a template A setup and it was actually very much different than this. And my day one was a strength and swim day. My day two was an endurance day. My Wednesday, or like my day three, I'm sorry, because I had started, my training week started on Tuesday. So that Thursday ended up becoming either a like uh, easy jog at 60 minutes or I'm I'm hiking for 60 minutes. Okay. Under load at like lighter yeah. weights because yeah. that's what I had to do. And then depending, yeah. you know, how I felt on day four would be a rest day. And then day five, would end up being some kind of like strength session day with a swim day. Okay. Right. And then yeah. that Saturday and Sunday were endurance days on sun on Saturday. I would focus on rucking for time duration. Sundays I would focus on running and then I would flip flop the two. I would be like, okay, cool. The following week I'd be more running longer and then less time on a ruck, but I'm still focusing on building time under load time on stress and training the heart. 
So that's what that looked like going into that five week period. But when I'm outside of something like that and I'm just training, you know, like again, leading up to the event, this is very how similar how I trained. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, after that endurance day, you know, a rest day, it was a moderate day. So what does that mean? Like we talked about, was, this, this is day four. Now, day four. Right? Yep. Day four and template yeah. B. So now I go ahead and be like, okay, cool. I'm now just going to prep my system to get ready for whatever strength work I got coming up. And usually that's a heavier day for me. I'll hit heavy three RMs. I'll snatch, I'll clean and jerk. I'll do a lot of accessory work and that's kind of it. Right. That's a fun session mm. day. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's kind of the way I look at that. And then right now that Sunday is a rest day and then I pick back up on Monday. But that's kind of how I flip-flop between the two when I look at balancing strength and endurance training from a concurrent standpoint of like, how do you blend these into to a two-week? Because now I just flip-flop. Now it's like, okay, cool. Now I go back to template A and I get to follow that. And this week's just three days of endurance work with two days of strength. And then the following week is only two days of endurance work with three days of strength. And it's a very doable approach. I think a lot of people just tend to like want to just be in the gym all the time. And I get it. I get that way too. You know, I haven't ran since the recon challenge. Um, I sw I've swam a couple of times, but I've been in the gym more than anything else. But again, like I did, you know, like today's training session I did was a blend of strength and endurance together. And I, and it was more of strengthening work capacity yeah. and just keeping the heart, you know, building the aerobic base and keeping my heart rate below 148. And mm. it sounded like a cool, it was session. fun. Are you right? Just to kind yeah. of talk us through. Yeah, it, it was really it fun. Really... So like, obviously right now I'm in a kind of, I call it like a regen phase, transition phase into like kind of getting out of what I just got done doing and let the body recover. And today it was like, all right, I'm just going to the gym. And I, I have my, my flow days. I call them flow days, depending how I feel, especially when I'm in blocks like this. And it's a lot of fun, dude. It's just like, we're meant to be creative. Why are we not staying creative in the gym as well? We don't always have to follow a program. And I'm not saying like, hey, DV off softly all the time. But no, it's like, hey, if you see something and you're like, no, I want to have fun. I'm going to go do my own thing. Do it. But what I did today was I did, I set the clock and I was like, all right, I'm going to do 50 cows on the rower. I'm going to do five zercher squats, three jumping deadlifts, one rope climb, 50 cows on the rower into a 50 foot walking lunge at, with a sandbag at, I think it was 80 pounds into a 50 foot bear crawl into 10 toes of bar into 15 push-ups. And then I went to 30 cows on the rower, five, three, one, 30 cows on a rower, same, same distance and all those movements. And then I did 15 cows on the rower, five, three, one, 15 cows in a row or boom. And my goal mm. for the session was have an average heart rate of a 148. Yeah. And that's what and, I and did. That, that's, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where that creativity piece, like you talked about having fun, is is super important because like ultimately the the kind of the, I suppose the physiology doesn't really care whether you're spending Correct. 30 minutes, 60 minutes at 148 running or whether you're rowing or whether you're doing something like Correct. that. Correct. And like, so for, I could speak personally, if someone, someone like me, I would go out of my mind if I had to run particularly on a treadmill for, for that amount of time at that heart rate. Whereas doing something like that would be really fun. I'd really, I'd really kind of enjoy that. Um, I, I definitely, I think that, that idea of, of, um, when you think of cardio, yeah. I hate that term. When you think of cardio, you think of like old school bodybuilders, just like pounding away on the treadmill or on like the, um, what's it called? The stair mill. Yeah. And like, and, and yeah, if that kind of floats your boat, then that's, that's kind of okay. But if you, if you don't enjoy that kind of work, but you still need to kind of tick that aerobic box because of all the benefits that, that George has been talking about, then yes, yeah, setting, setting timers and doing almost like, 
um, almost kind of circuit Correct. And based stuff is, is super effective. Well, it's funny you bring that up to you too, because that's kind of what I was thinking about. When we go ahead and took look at aerobic and anaerobic, a lot of people have this misconception of, and, and again, is it a misconception? I don't know, but I know for the longest time I fell into this idea of it was that, and, and again, aerobic is with oxygen, but that's not the primary definition of it, right? And the same thing with anaerobic. And when you look online, it probably will show that, but it really comes down to understanding muscle types and muscle fibers. When we look at the slow twitch and fast twitch, when we go ahead and look at that training stimulus that I just did today, I had both in there. I had fast twitch and slow twitch movements, and but my primary focus was what? Slow twitch not fast twitch because at the end of the day i need to go ahead and have i need to understand that hey look i'm in a regen phase right now i don't need to be tapping into that 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 anaerobic state so much right now i just got done pushing super hard from a cns standpoint body my all those things so it's like no i want to go ahead and kind of have a little bit more chiller effort and, and honestly, it was exactly what I needed. I got a nice sweat on. I got, I felt strong. I felt powerful. You know, things felt really good. And I just kind of just flow through. And it took me like 27 minutes, or I'm sorry, 28 minutes it took me to do that. And it took me two and a half minutes to get down to a below a 120. Yeah, yeah. And that in itself is a pretty good indication of of like your your overall, sort of the health of your of system. Of your heart. Mm. Yeah, back that yeah, up. But 100%, that's again that idea behind it where it's just like, oh yeah, look, no. We're literally training to be that much more recover, uh, to have that much more efficiency and recoverability. Meaning that mm. the faster I recover, the faster I get out of exhaustion phase and the faster I get into that recovery state, the faster I get to baseline to go ahead and handle my day. Yeah, yeah. And if you think big picture, like we, we've talked about before, um, like Selye's model of, of general adaptation syndrome and and like super compensation, like the the digger you so the digger the deeper you're gonna have to dig the digger you, I can't speak <laughs> the deeper you want to dig that hole of training like the harder you want the training session to be like you were talking about when you have your week one day five where you just tear it up the deeper that's gonna go the more efficient your your kind of recovery system and your your like your heart health needs to be to pull you out of that deficit and, and to super compensate otherwise it's gonna be kind of into day two, day three of the following week before you recovered enough to train again. Yep. And then clearly when we, when we talked before about like the, the person that can do the most high intensity or, or, or kind of quality sessions is going to relatively be fitter and, and stronger. Um, you, you kind of need that. You need to be able to recover as quickly as possible. Well, it's this idea to, to kind of handle. So on. like if we were to break down, you know, if we were to break down and we made a pyramid, right? And on the left side of the pyramid, at the very bottom, we had power. At the very right side of it, we had technical skills. At the very peak of it, we had aerobic endurance, okay. right? We need to make sure that they're integrated together all the time, meaning that they need to be able to go left to right, right to left, up to the aerobic endurance, down to technical skill and power. Now, that means that what, that is, what does that do for us? It allows for us then to become that well-rounded athlete to where, yeah, I can produce power, I can produce aerobic endurance, and I can produce technical skill as if I need it. And when you look mm -hmm. at your everyday living and your lifestyle, you need all three of those things to go ahead and elect some kind of adaptation and, and, and to be better in life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, this is a very deep topic and, and a lot of, you know, context comes from behind it. But at, at the end of the day, when we go ahead and look at, you know, strength training as a whole, we have to understand that it comes from different methods of resistance training. And that resistance training can be as simple as just the barbell. 
It can be with bands. It can be with sandbags. It can be whatever else. But the goal is to go ahead and get yourself to go ahead and increase this idea of your aerobic and your, and your strength base to allow for higher outputs of performance and to manage stress, you know? So, at you know, one thing I do want to, you know, kind of, I guess, bring it all full circle uh, is kind of where, you know, we need to get to is how do we look at training the aerobic system? I, th- I think, again, it, it kind of comes back to what, we, what I was banging on about in that first part um, is that it kind of depends on your goals. It depends what you're what you're doing, where you are in your, your kind of your training year and, and things like that. Um, and what I what I mean by that is that for 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 virtually everybody, athletes, tactical professional, uh, general pop, whatever, virtually everybody needs that that strong aerobic base, as we keep talking about, to to be able to function effectively. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, like we talked about, it doesn't necessarily look like going out and running a five k on pavement three times a week. <laughs> that might, you know, that that might be doing some of the, your kind of your, your weight style circuits that might be like doing something in the pool that might be, um, even, even kind of stuff like the, like the, uh, breathing tables and things like that we've been playing around with lately. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to look like old school cardio, yep. but I think it's a really important, like it, it's a really important feature in, in any, in any kind of training program, but the degree to which, if you, if you think of almost like, um, uh, like far right aerobic, really low level for ultra, like miles, miles, miles. Yeah. Then the other end of the spectrum being your like all out max power, max speed, whatever it is, type effort. Think of that as like a sliding spectrum. Correct. Um, and we've only got like a, a finite amount of resources that we can put into training each week or each cycle. So what we need to do is kind of pick and choose. Well, at this point on, at this point in my my plan, I want to be putting more of my allocation to seven out of 10 on this scale. Okay. Now at this point, I want to be going more to more to the left, more towards the strength and power. So it's going to look like a one or a two, something like that. And, and just having that as part of the plan. And again, ultimately keeping in mind that your, your goals should reflect your performance. And by that, I mean that if you're looking at, if 5k is your, that's what you're racing, you're, you're racing a 5k as fast as you possibly can that needs to be the metric that you monitor and yeah it's cool if your back squat goes up or if your deadlift goes up that's that's great but we shouldn't be trying to chase like george said we shouldn't be trying to chase those one rep maxes because ultimately that's not what you're you're kind of you're, you're tested on um from someone who's actually done it though give us your uh i give us your round you know up. i'm gonna go to this dude and it's gonna be super oh, i'm sorry got away from the microphone but i'm gonna go to this and it's gonna be super simple you know when we want to increase our aerobic capacity we understand from a physiological standpoint that we must go ahead and increase the muscles, mitochondria content. We most focus on aerobic enzymes to help speed up the aerobic metabolism. We understand that capillary density needs to be, the bed of that needs to go ahead and continue to grow to help with market muscles. We need to go ahead and promote higher stroke volumes to the heart. What that does for us, it offers us, you know, the ability to carry more oxygen to the muscles, right? And it also gives you the ability to store more oxygen to the to get and get into the muscles. So at the end of the day, we need to go ahead and understand that when we look at strength and endurance and current training, we're pretty much just training the heart to go ahead and handle the stresses that we're putting to it. So we need to go ahead and take that same idea when we go into working for strength and when we go working into 
uh, you know, endurance work is that, Hey, look, understand that, you know, when you go into that, if you're, if you strain your heart really hard, that previous day should you do it again the next day probably not so maybe maybe i need to go ahead and focus and i still need to get strength work in but how do i approach those training sessions and again you are the only person the individual that can find what that is because it's all through feel right you have to know what a heavy day of of strength work feels like after an endurance day because i tell you what a heavy strength day by itself without endurance on the front end or the back end is very different than doing an endurance session and then strength heavy strength session the next day. It's very different and you have to know what that feels like, but the only way you do so is by blending it all. So, mm. and, and that's where we can kind of rely on, we can, we can, I say rely, we can use technology to help inform us. So rather than it being kind of a case of, I think I kind of feel all right, that's where we can use things like, like HRV or bolt scores, or you can kind of use the, the health and wellness surveys and things just to kind of give you a bit of an insight into, or give you a bit more perspective, I guess, on your kind of your, your interpretation of that. Yeah. And, and one last thing too, before we end this podcast, you know, cause I think it was, a, I, I, I think that we brought a lot of great information in here. And one thing that, you know, we haven't covered, especially when I laid out this template and you hear me talking about like, I'm in this transition period is the idea of what, you know, your, periodization looks like for the year. And, and it's something I don't know if I've talked about much on the podcast, but when we go ahead and keep it super simple, you know, realistically, when you're training for a specific event, right, most people can only peak realistically one to two times a year. It's really, really hard to peak three times in a year. And that's something I really learned from, from the ultra endurance world was like, Hey, I want to run multiple hundred mile races this year. And it was like, Oh, I can only handle running one hundred mile race this year. Oh, let me try and run two next year. And then you run two and then all of a sudden you see what happens to your system. You're like, Holy fuck. Well, you have to understand that there needs to be a period where you have a recovery cycle, right? A recovery period that lasts anywhere between two to four weeks. You have to have a transition period that lasts anywhere between two to four to eight weeks. Sometimes some people might need that depending on when their next big event is. And then you also going to understand that your, your minimum amount of, of, of base period of training is going to be 12 weeks. The maximum is going to be 20. The, the, the better I have a base work and then we can move into is great. Same thing here when it comes down to understanding how to blend and integrate your base and your specific block because that's going to be very minimal. That's going to be like a one to two week pace because now we have to become more specific. And then now you have anywhere between two to eight weeks where you become very more specific for something. And then most of the time you end up seeing yourself have a taper from one to three weeks depending on the event. So Again, guys, understand that you have to look at when we're training the heart and when we're training for specific events and we're training for specific selections and schools that there is going to be a time period where when you're done peaking and you're done with that loading phase and you're done with that loading peak that you're going to have to go into some kind of periodization of recovery and transition and then get back into a base phase because, again, you just put so much work in within a 16 to a 36-week period that ultimately you need to recover from that so that you can go ahead and carry whatever it is you got from that training periodization block to where now you're allowed to go ahead and carry that over and continue moving forward. And I think that's the biggest thing we've done here for Softly is we understand a lot of this 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 idea of, of periodization and the periodization of life and how do we got to look at it, how do we manage it all, and why we see such great results with our training programs. Yeah, I was just going to say that's so the the kind of the template that George was talking through for a for a kind of a pre competition cycle there. That's something that you'll find built into like all the all the Softly teams anyway. You you're kind of your 
GPP, if you're general physical preparation, like those early cycles that George was mentioning, they're going to be your kind of flip-flop between your strength, stamina, and, and bodybuilding hypertrophy type teams. And then when we're, when we're kind of starting to drift into that, that specific prep, the specific phases, that's going to be your, your kind of layering on your, your selection cycle type teams. Um, so and it's it's kind of deliberately designed that way yeah and, and one thing i want to go ahead and kind of give an, an idea of right so let's go ahead and say let's go ahead and look at what does training the aerobic system do in terms of recovery and super composition real quick before we end this just so everyone understands the context of why building your aerobic base matters and why strength training matters so what ends up happening we're going to base this off a two-hour training session so if an individual went out and ran at a at a at, you know, at that max aerobic heart rate, you know, that aerobic threshold base below your aerobic threshold base, what we end up seeing that you can go ahead and from that two hour effort, you recover within four to six days, right? You can then get back to it and get it. And then you have this super composition for a few days that then tapers off. When we go ahead and look at training for strength, right? When we look at training for strength, and if you spent two hours in the gym training for, for strength, it takes 48 hours, two full days to recover from that strength session. What, what, how, sorry, how much did you say the endurance was? Uh, so if I was doing anything below that aerobic threshold, meaning below my max aerobic function heart rate, it takes up to four to six days to recover from a two-hour training session for endurance work. Okay. Crazy. Wow. That's it. But if you go ahead and do a two-hour strength session, the fatigue and drop in performance and your, your boost back from it takes 48 hours to recover. Oh, no way. I'm surprised. I kind of thought it would be the way around. I thought the, the strength stuff would go deeper. No. Crazy. So when we go in and look at, okay, when we look at training between that aerobic threshold and that lactate threshold, well, now when we go in and look at those two, it takes, for a two-hour training session, it takes anywhere between, you know, uh, 12 to pretty much 32 hours to recover from anything between, you know, above your aerobic threshold all the way up to max intensity. It takes anywhere between, again, 12 to, to 30, 32 to 36 hours, which is wild. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. But then the, the, but the cool thing about that, and this is where, like, when we start talking about tapers and how they help you recover, and it, where it's a super compensation of that over time. For example, when you go ahead and do some kind of, let's say we have someone do, let's 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, leading into an event a week out. Well, the recovery time it takes, you know, to recover from that is 32 hours. No problem. But guess how long the super compensation lasts, the peak in performance that we get? It lasts, it lasts almost another two days. Okay. Yeah. Like you're below zone, below like zone one or like your max aerobic function heart rate or your below aerobic threshold. That lasts, you know, it, it lasts, super composition period lasts from anywhere between... 12 hours, 12 to 14 hours, you get a super composition from that aerobic base, from that aerobic session. Okay. Okay. Isn't that crazy? So you need, so you need to kind of stack it in more frequently. Correct. Then. Correct. Correct. Which when we go down and look at this template, if I know mm. I do a strength session for an hour, it's not going to take me 48 hours to recover. It's going to take me 24 hours to recover. Okay. If I do an hour endurance run at my math heart rate, it's going to take me three hours to recover. And I'm going to go ahead and get a six hour super composition period from that where it helps me recover. So easy day, right? My day one, 
was a math heart rate session where I know that the drop in performance for an hour wasn't much, but it, I recovered within three hours. My next strength session isn't until when? Uh, the next day, 24 hours later. Four, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I've, I've only got half of the whiteboard in the screen. Yeah, but for doing, for doing <laughs> yeah. that... For doing that one hour strength session now on day two, we know that it's going to take me 24 hours to recover, which is why I put a low recovery day right after my mm. strength session. Okay. Yeah, Matt's like, holy sense. shit, I'm getting in the, getting behind <laughs> George's headspace and where he's learning this stuff from and how he looks at it. But that's the same idea again, because now when I move to day four with that strength session, I know that it takes 24 hours to recover ultimately, right? Well, which means then... If I'm taking a rest day on that Friday or if I'm doing an endurance work that day, then my performance is going to drop a little bit. I might need two days to recover now compared to I can rest. And now I can get that strength session done to where maybe I am doing a two-hour, you know, between that aerobic and anaerobic threshold period where it's going to take me longer to recover now to where maybe, yeah, I need that Saturday, that Sunday to rest now and then go into that Monday to where now I can mm -hmm. focus on strength work where I know that, okay, I had two days of rest into that manner. It's the whole idea behind when you look at the conjugate system, when we look at strength training, when they look at like maximal uh, strength days, speed development days, and what's the other one? I forgot. Uh, rep, like high, high, high repetition high days, right? Like speed days, I think yeah. is what they say. There's different recovery stimulus between them, right? When they talk about a maximal training day, and I'm probably going to butcher this, they talk about giving a good 48 hours recovery to 72 hours. When we do speed yeah. work, you know, at that, you know, that kind of five by five type work with, you know, when they're doing that, that takes about, they said about 48 hours to recover from less than that. And then when you go ahead and okay. do the speed work, that actually is, uh, you can recover from that really quickly. So they asked to go ahead and put maximum recover, maximum strength days every three to four or five days, I think is how I need, I need to go back and read it. But when I look at it from this perspective, I've taken some of the similar concepts and methods and principles and just blended it into this idea being like, cool, if I'm going to do a strength day today, I need to have a 24 hour recovery period to 48 hour recovery period for strength before I do it again. Cause I know what it does to me, but I can go ahead and drop in a low aerobic threshold training session in between that to help elect response because I know what it does for me. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you're almost actively recovering rather than just kind of passively playing the clock out boom and that's literally what it comes down to when i look at strength and endurance concurrent training is like learning how to recover from all these other these different types of stimulus that we've uh, we've acutely made to allow for us to go ahead and see the proper per performance increase and avoid overtraining and fatigue mm. yeah like it sweet i gave the, the the thumbs up but hey guys first off thank you for listening to us run down this rabbit hole i I enjoy talking about these things. I really enjoy having conversations with individuals like yourself on these things because you do bring such a different perspective into it. So thank you for opening the door for us to go ahead and talk a little about what practical application looks like in terms of how we can lay out strength and endurance session for the day or for the week from a template perspective of A and B and you go from there. And I, hopefully it helps everyone out. And maybe I need to put this into like a into a PowerPoint infograph thing and we kind of share a little bit about it. I think that might be something really yeah, good. Definitely. I mean, that, that's that been a real big push of ours is to, is to kind of, as a, as the performance team here is to try and be, um, kind of make, make it more obvious and more transparent about what it is we're, we're programming. So like, this is the reason why you're doing this on a Monday, this on a Tuesday, this on a Wednesday, because we read, we like, we stand behind the theory and we believe in what we're doing. Um, ultimately have the kind of the results to, to back it up. So it's re we, we kind of think it's really important that rather than just kind of going through the motions, you, you kind of understand like the intended stimulus so that you can eventually, you can kind of like um, almost feel 
almost kind of feel your way to, to making it more bespoke for you, like more kind of individualized, which I think is ultimately the kind of the aim of, of any training really. Sick. Well, thanks guys again. And until next time, laters. Cheers.